As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training, kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway, in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. This episode is brought to you today by Gusto. Payroll and benefits are hard, especially when you're a small business. Gusto is making payroll, benefits, and HR easy for modern small businesses. You no longer have to be part of a big company to get great technology, great benefits, and a great service to take care of your team. To help support the show, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited time deal. You sign up today, you will get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com slash rocket chip. Again, gusto.com slash rocket chip. 
It has been a heck of a week. I know I'm tired. <laughs> Me too, for sure. But yeah, I mean, just in the past three days alone for the team at AJ and Smart, they've been able to help Mike and his app, Zero get to a place that might normally have taken some companies months. Thanks to the design sprint process, they've been able to work together to define their goals and challenges, find inspiration through lightning demos, create several rounds of solution sketches, storyboard those solution sketches out, and then create real high-fidelity prototypes that they can finally test with users. And again, they did that all in three days. Absolutely incredible. Yes. And now... The AJ and Smart team, they're just about to get started with day four of the design sprint, their official final day of the design sprint. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We're your hosts, Michael Saka and Mike Belsito. This is day four of the design sprint, Thursday. This is the day where the team can test their prototype with real users. And actually, here's the team as they're getting ready for their very first user. Righto. So, Thursday morning, 9.30. Um, what are we up to? Setting up the computer with all the programs that we need to do user testing, which is like video conferencing, a streaming service that streams what's going on our screen so that the client can watch it live and also watch the recordings later. Um, and we've got our user testing all set up, right? Yeah. Which is basically, you can almost think, we almost think of this as the, the testing journey yeah. almost, right? Yeah, with all the different testers and through the day with the big wall, um, we're going to run through all the different parts of our prototype and stick up post-it notes with this massive wall that fills up with all the feedback that they give us, positive and negative. So we take positive and negative, feedback, orange and green posters, and um, we try to synthesize it. And it makes it easier for us to also pick out the patterns of the user feedback and the insights, actually. Yeah, so first test is at 10. Okay, the first test is at 10 a.m. It's almost time. In one of these confessional sessions, Michael Smart talks about this user testing process, how it works, who owns what. So one person is definitely leading the session and is more or less the person who kind of only, the, 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 the tester really only sees and hears. And that's just to... Again, it's a, it's an odd situation, user testing, right? It's it's not real life. It can feel daunting. So we want to make these testers as comfortable as possible. So the user tester has a chance to really build a rapport with that person, welcome them into the room, making sure that the room is nice and tidy, that the environment is nice and clean, that it's not just, you know, like a kind of tip here. They feel nice and comfy. They get a cup of tea or a coffee. They're coming in and they're sitting down with this, uh, with our user tester, D. And she's leading them and guiding them through the through the user test. So definitely, she's the only one asking questions. Then you'll have myself or the, the, you know, our, our other sprint team members, myself, Fedor. We're in the background or listening into the to the live stream, and we're taking notes in real time and kind of putting them up on our on our wall of justice. We call it the wall of justice. That totally sounds like an upcoming Marvel sequel or something. <laughs> I mean, I'd go see it if it was playing. 
That, me too. I totally would. Actually, Michael talked more about what the wall of justice is. The wall of justice has two functions or three functions for us. One, it you have to imagine a giant wall here with uh, kind of post-its down the left-hand side, which are almost broken down into categories of what, what screen is the user seeing now? And then next to that, we have yellow post-its kind of saying, okay, what is the thing we're testing on that on that screen. So is it, if, if it's an onboarding screen, is it the, is it the storyline? Is it the fact that, you know, that users even bother with an onboarding, right? So we've got a couple of these questions or these kind of like little hooks there. And so that helps the user tester with kind of prompts as to what to ask during the user test. So we don't need to, we don't spend time writing whole questions and things like that. We, we just set up the wall and we've got 20 kind of prompts for a 12 screen prototype here. So that's down on the left. And then you've got other columns, which are basically the other, well, each user tester, right? Has its own, has their own column. And then inside those cells, we basically put the green and the orange post-it. So that's our wall of justice. Okay. So the wall of justice, it's not something that Iron Man created to keep bad guys off of the perimeter. It's something to help the sprint team keep track of these user tests, a repository for all the learning that's about to happen. And that learning, it begins because the first user arrives and they start to walk the user through the product. They complete the first user test and that first test, it's always sort of a landmark test. It's the first moment of truth that they have putting their prototype in front of a real live user. Michael Smart talks more about this moment of truth. The first test is always the, the kind of the, this litmus test. Um, does everything kind of click through and work? Obviously, just on a technical level, you know, have we got any kind of like obvious silly bugs in there? And that's what we come in early in the morning from nine and kind of just sort out some of those little bugs to make sure we can click through. But that first test is really handy for us because that's the first time we're really getting this kind of external perspective on for sure the copy that we've written but obviously some of the ideas that we've that we've had so there's definitely a few moments there where we were thinking ah yeah that's just not clear that didn't come through um we will we'll note that down you know as i as i mentioned we've got you know you kind of typically see more orange post-its in the first test the, the the first test there was um exciting for us because we could see okay Definitely, we, we were like, yes, it's not completely off the mark. We've landed a few ideas. We can see that we've definitely made an improvement on the existing app. So we're already feeling pretty good at, at 10 o'clock in the morning thinking, all right, we're, we've landed some things. We're making headway here. And then obviously, you're starting to look out for these kind of patterns here and grabbing the nuances in the things that the users are finding valuable or not. So the first test, it goes well. They've clearly made improvements. They have some validation. But of course, there are some things that may have missed the mark, things that they know that they can improve on. Yes. And as Michael mentioned, that's where the orange post-it notes come in. But there's other colors on this wall of justice. There's orange, yellow, green. Here's Michael talking a bit more about what each of them mean. Green post-its, when we're taking notes during the during the during um, each test, um, we've got two of us basically capturing notes as the user 
is going through and, and using the prototype. And we take notes on green post-its for comments or feedback where we feel like, yeah, that's affirmative, that's a positive uh, piece of information. And if we've got things that were maybe a little bit unclear or the user felt like this is not valuable, this is not adding anything to my experience, we jot those down onto orange post-its. And as we put those up on our user testing wall, um, because uh, the way we set it up, we can kind of start to really easily identify patterns across the different features or the different ideas that we are testing in the prototype. So the team goes through another user test and then another one. Three user tests completed and before you know it, it's lunchtime. It's time for their midday huddle. Those first three user tests happen in pretty much rapid succession with really not many changes happening in between. But after that third test, that's where it may start to become obvious if changes do need to happen before they start putting the prototype in front of other users. We actually have some audio from Michael Smart from day four of the sprint, and he's talking about this point in the day. We don't jump to any conclusions, for sure not after the first test, for sure not after the second. After the third test, so we build in a little huddle break, and that's usually around lunch, and we we just gather around the first three tests, and we, we already pull out the kind of trends uh, in the feedback that we can identify. And if there are glaring things that we feel we can fix easily, as I mentioned, perhaps changing some copy, maybe adding a few little um, yeah, flourishes. In, in this case, we were adding in a couple of icons, a few symbols here, just to help with the understanding about what we meant by this idea. And that was the first time that we really then dipped into the prototype and started changing things. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you today by Gusto. Payroll and benefits are hard, especially for small businesses. You don't have the time to be an expert on things like taxes and regulations. And there are old school payroll providers that exist, but they're just not built for the modern business. Gusto is making payroll benefits and HR easy for small businesses. Minor technology does the heavy lifting, so it's easy to get things right. Now, again, there is some competition for Gusto out there, but Gusto actually has a lot of things going for them. PC Mag and Fit Small Business, they've called Gusto the best payroll for small businesses. Gusto makes payroll a breeze. In fact, 9 out of 10 users say Gusto is easier to use than other payroll solutions. And Gusto definitely saves you time. 72% of customers, they actually spend less than five minutes to run payroll. I know a lot of people that spend way more. Gusto is reliable. Four out of five customers actually reduce payroll errors after switching. And if you don't believe it, just Google it. People love Gusto. And how often do you actually love your payroll provider? Almost never. Most small businesses, they don't have an HR expert, but you don't need one to use Gusto. With great software and great service, you can focus on your business, not on your payroll or your paperwork. To help support the show, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited time deal. Sign up today and you'll get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com forward slash rocket chip. That's gusto.com forward slash rocket chip. Now, back to the show. And we actually can listen into the team as they're discussing what they've learned through these first three user tests. Let's join them. We huddle in the midway point of testing day. Yes, and three testers in. Three testers in, great. And we've got, like, we're starting to get a few impressions of trends right now. And uh, as we've got a little break, 
Let's vote up the ones we think could hold. Okay, how many does? So normally I would just vote for three each, but because there's only two of us voting, Peter is out, um, then let's go for four each. So they're working on coming up with the key trends that they're seeing, and they're going to start to vote on them based on what they saw and heard in those first three user tests. That's right. And as you heard, at this point, it's Michael and Dee in the room. Usually there, there might be another person or two, but in this case, it's the two of them. They're going to see if they can each come up with four points, four big takeaways. Then they'll see if they overlap with each other, and they'll vote on what they think is most important. I can envision them feverishly scribbling away. I can see the post-it notes scattered around the room, but with the focus on their wall of justice. Yes, and that wall of justice, as it continues to get more and more populated, it means that they are getting closer and closer to solutions that will hopefully make a big difference for their users. Okay, they're about to finish the session. They're comparing their trends, getting on the same page. And Michael Smart, in a confessional session, talks about how he's feeling right at this point in the day. It's really exciting. I mean, it's uh, user testing day here uh, in the in the sprint week, and it's been just uh, amazing, amazing to kind of hear the feedback immediately on the ideas that we just came up with on Monday, and really and uh, kind of executed yesterday in the prototyping and. We've uh, we've had amazing feedback so far. We've, we've we've obviously got things that we need to work on, right? We've captured a lot of feedback, positive and negative. We made a few little tweaks to the prototype at around about the halfway point today. Um, just things like fixing a few things, in, like text, adding a few um, flourishes here to, here and there, just to kind of support. The, the, the understanding of some of the ideas we were trying to we were trying to test this week. The day continues on. A couple more user tests happen, and the team convenes at the very end of Thursday. And the end of the sprint. Well, yes, but chances are at this point, there's likely things that the team has learned which might require some tweaks, some more iterations. And the team can continue on next week to make those changes. And in fact, AJ and Smart they actually built in a little bit of time for this just in case. And is that the case for Zero? After these user tests, will they need more work to be done? Well, let's find out. Let's listen into Michael Smart and the team at AJ and Smart going through their final huddle after the last user test of the day take place. End of testing day. Positive and negative feedback here for all of our screens and ideas that we tested this week. Now we go through to summarize it for the customer at the end of the week so that we have already a pretty good handle on where to start for next week as we go into our iteration week. So what we're doing now is looking for the kind of trends, things that work well and things that didn't really work so well. And we want to be able to clearly report these and summarize these back to the customer without giving any um, bias so that we can have a starting point for Monday morning and vote up the top three things that we would work on in next week's iteration sprint. 
there's a bunch of things that really are small tweaks, things like wording or maybe like obviously polishing off um, visual design and things like that. This week we're really looking to get a, a little bit of a barometer from the users about what ideas would land and which ideas we should put more time and energy into next week. So this usually takes us for another about 15 minutes where we're individually coming up with the, the kind of trends here and aligning on those. We'll do a round of voting and then we'll have all we need to, um, to uh, put into a, a short executive summary for the customer to just kind of mull over over the, the course of Friday. We're also editing together a a highlights reel, some some kind of um, insights or kind of yeah highlights from the from the user tests. We don't obviously just focus on the positive things, but we just want to reinforce some of the bigger ideas that we tested that we felt would answer the spring questions, and they are the sort of snippets that we're looking to edit together. Uh, so that the customer doesn't need to sit through again another six or seven hours worth of user interviews, but at the same time we do want to make sure that they do have a, a pretty good objective feeling about the ideas that were tested this this. Week. And then Michael brings up the three areas that they ultimately discuss or to focus on even more in the following sprint next week. They're bringing these areas up with Mike after going through all of the user tests, taking in the feedback, seeing what common trends tend to be bubbling up. So wait, an entire follow-up sprint? That's right. The sprint for AJ and Smart and Zero it actually doesn't end here. Next week, they'll go back to the drawing board, so to speak, and they will focus on iterating on three specific areas of Zero's app. Put a bit more effort into the, the journey, into the kind of the long-term use of Zero. We also wanted to put a little bit more informational or instructional content for our users as they're fasting and going through their fasting window, but also being guides for the eating window as well. So when we're thinking about fasting, we know that this is not just, okay, don't eat and that's it. Um, there's a lot of prep that people need to do. There's also a lot of encouragement that you would need because uh, it's very easy for people to fall out of their fast and break it. And you don't really get to feel the benefits of the fasting unless you get over a certain time window. So the team has more work to do. Yeah, and they'll all break for the weekend, but come Monday, they'll they'll come back together and they'll not only review the feedback from the user testing sessions, but they'll actually nearly repeat day one of the sprint for the following week. It'll be more of an abridged sprint in the first go. Here's Michael Smart on what day one of the follow-up sprint looks like. For the rest of the week, what happens, right? What happens after a sprint? For this particular sprint, as I say, the next two days now, we have a little bit longer to prototype. So that means we're going to be kind of fixing a lot of the UX and UI bugs almost from last week and to use these new sketches to actually make the bigger changes to, so that we can answer these three iteration questions. So that's what's going to happen for the next two days. And then we'll jump into user testing. We're going to be user testing more um, with our US audience this week. Um, so that means we'll have a couple of nights of testing for us because we'll be testing remotely, obviously, here in here in Berlin. And then we'll summarize everything, uh, all the user feedback, what worked well, what didn't work well. And we'll be able to very concretely give recommendations on what we think the next steps for the project should be. We'll also be looking at tidying up a few of the design files so they could pretty much go straight to dev. And we'll also be looking at almost version three, version four, what features 
we're resonating with customers or do resonate with customers but might take a little bit of effort to implement we'd be starting to almost plan the backlog the zero app development phase so the follow-up sprint it continues on um michael are we recording a whole new week of episodes for the follow-up sprint <laughs> no unfortunately we're not. This is where our journey will end. We'll leave the team at AJ and Smart, but they'll continue to work with Mike Mazer and Zero and focus on the three areas that I, they identified in the initial design sprint. And even though they're spending more time on this follow-up sprint, it's pretty incredible to think about all that they've accomplished in just these four days. It's, it's really impressive. And the result? Well, people can see for themselves. You can download Zero on your iOS you can download Zero on your iOS device in the Apple Store, and the rating is really solid. It's got like a 4.8 out of 5. Well, yeah, in the reviews, I mean, many of which were given after this sprint took place, they seem to show that Zero is really resonating with users. Here's one that I found. It says, I've enjoyed using this app over the past three weeks, though I've been fasting intermittently alongside keto since August with my wife. The interface is simple, and it doesn't get in the way of what I want to do. So this design sprint concept, is this the magic bullet that product people have been waiting for? Well, I don't know about that. I mean, these design sprints, they're still hard, right? They require dedicated time from the product team. They require buy-in from a decider, somebody with enough say within an organization to actually make yes or no decisions. That's that's true, right? Um, But when they're done right, the real result at one point may have taken months. Now it can be seen in just days. And I don't know, that's pretty special. It sure is. And for Mike and the team at Zero, well, I know that I'm excited to see what happens next. Thank you so much for listening along to this full Sprint Week. If you've enjoyed it, please leave us a review. It helps others discover the show. Next week, well... We're probably going to take next week off after all of this. But coming up in two weeks, we'll be back to the story of, of Lee of 7am, Gunto of Auth0, and Krish of Chargebee on their two-month product journeys. And it's just about to get good. So, for example, <laughs> the main engineer, he thinks that low forcefulness is the one that's going to work because like he... He's like, he's like a good engineer and he likes researching things, understanding things himself before implementing them. And when okay. he gets like a step-by-step, he hates that. I think <laughs> the opposite. I think that most people don't have time because we're in an anxious world where we need like one, two, three, four because my attention span is like very narrow. <laughs>